0: So we're continuing to work through an Orthodox catechism. This week, uh, we're in chapter six, uh, the second part of man's redemption, uh, specifically looking at questions 75 through 78 on the sacraments. Over the past uh, couple of weeks, um, Arnie and also Christopher Cleveland have been um, teaching, facilitating, leading us through this study of the sacraments from an Orthodox Catechism, which has been helpful, looking at baptism and uh, looking at what a sacrament is, uh, and an an ordinance. So we want to continue that that discussion this week, beginning again at question seventy-five, and then we'll go through seventy-eight. Now, just try and get through as much as I can here. I think I can get through all of it, but um, we'll we'll just work through with the time we have. Um, Let's start by reading question and answer. 275 in an orthodox catechism. So who wants to read that for us? Crystal, go for it.
1: Question 75. What is it to be washed with the blood and spirit of Christ? Answer, it is to receive of God forgiveness of sins freely for the blood of Christ which he shed for us in his sacrifice upon the cross and also to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and through his sanctifying of us become members of Christ that we may more and more die to sin and live holy and without blame.
0: Okay, thank you. Now, we know from Scripture that the works of the Trinity are not divided. Uh, Scripture says, the Lord is one, Deuteronomy 6.4. Every act of redemption or creation that one person of the Trinity is involved in um, all participate in. But Scripture does at times highlight one person of the Godhead when explaining some aspect of redemption. Uh, Scripture does this assuming that god is one so when we see um, one person of the trinity highlighted and some aspect of redemption um, the scripture is assuming that we're taking that with the rest of scripture and with what we see uh, as god and his holiness and his character's his perfection being one now the holy spirit of god is highlighted as the agent of our recreation he is the one who applies the cleansing blood of Christ to our unrighteous accounts. It is through the powerful and active work of the spirit that the Christian participates and benefits from the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, To to be sort of washed in the blood and spirit of Christ is to be regenerated. Um, In the Old Testament, Washing of water refers to spiritual purification. Uh, it is also presented as a transition from unclean to clean. The first part of the answer to question 75 refers to Ecclesiastes thirty-six twenty-five. Now, we're, we're thinking through this question. What is it to be washed with blood and spirit or with the blood and spirit of Christ? Um, So citing Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Let me have someone read that for us. Ezekiel 36, verse 25 through 27. Got it, Matt? Go for it. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove
1: the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put
0: my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Okay, thank you. So here the sprinkling with water refers to a person being given a new heart through the new covenant. Being given a new heart assumes the forgiveness of sins and a willful obedience. To the law of God. I will cleanse you from your filthiness, it says in Ezekiel there. I will take away your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The heart represents sort of the core of of, of who we are, our our core processor, uh, the seat of our volition. God changes the saved person from the inside out, and by cleansing, he separates them from their sin. We see that language used in scripture as well. When we think about this question of the catechism, to be washed with the blood and the spirit of Christ, uh, there is the forgiveness of sins, um, which is it comes by the blood of Christ, uh, sacrifice as atoning, propitiatory blood on our behalf, um, the renewal of the spirit, and sanctification, which we'll talk about as well. There's being sanctified by the spirit and regeneration. And there's the process of progressive sanctification, dying to sin more and more. All right. So all of this being involved, um, all of these these benefits of union with Christ through this washing of his uh, his blood. Uh, Zechariah 30, uh, 13, 1 says on that day, there shall be a fountain open from the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and uncleanness." Now there's uh, some similarities here between what we see in Ezekiel 36 and Zechariah 13:1. Here the cleansing or washing of water is pictured as coming from a fountain. This is to say it's flowing in abundance without measure or overflowing. And this fountain of cleansing is flowing from the house of David. So this is a reference to the line of King David. Uh, Matthew in chapter one gives his readers a genealogy for the proof that Jesus in his humanity was a direct descendant of Abraham and David through Joseph. Now we know that John seven and in John seven rather that the fountain of cleansing is ultimately referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. So even as we see in Ezekiel and Zechariah, there's a, there's a pointing forward, there's a prophecy of uh, a time of this, this cleansing uh, when the new covenant would be given and the substance of the new covenant would, would be given. Uh, John 7, 37 to 39 says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. There's a a connection here with the, the sprinkling and the washing and this living water, this language that's used. The cleansing from our uncleanness and the washing through regeneration is the means by which we are brought into a positive relationship with God. But how does this happen? Who is doing this work of recreation in the life of the redeemed sinner? This happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1, 2 says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. You see that language again, for obedience to Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. The same language we see in Ezekiel 36 and Zechariah with the, the fountain, right? And then it says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. That's how first uh, Peter chapter uh, 1, verse 2 ends. The foreknowledge of God, sanctification of the Holy Spirit, obedience through the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So when you think uh, you you may hear us at times through through the, the benediction, and we'll say, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How is grace and peace multiplied to the Christian? How do we uh, receive the benefits of this relationship with God that is one of grace and peace? It's through the sprinkling of the blood of Christ by the sanctification of the Holy Spirit and the foreknowledge of God. It's Trinitarian. Our triune God is the one working in the life of the Christian for their initial salvation and their process of sanctification. Um, Hopefully we're sending less. Right. That progressive sanctification, um, John Owen would say that the spirit is killing old desires in us and raising new desires, new affections. He's killing things that we once loved, uh, wrong things and raising in us things that we ought to now love. Right. So that process is happening. You may be looking at yourself saying it seems very slow or it seems like it's taken a very long time or. This past week was terrible, and I am having trouble even identifying sanctification. Um, it's true because it's a promise of God. Um, so it is, it's happening. You can, you can rest in the Lord's word that he's doing that. Peter, again, um, in this, this language of sprinkling with blood, he's using covenantal language when he talks about our being cleansed by Christ's blood. Now, similar to the Old Testament people of God, being sprinkled with blood um, when God brought them out of out of Egypt. You remember the, the context that he frees them out of Egypt to go to worship him. Um, and he sprinkles them with blood of of animals. The people say the the, "the the law is read. The people say all that you say we will do. And so there's this sort of covenantal um, uh, something happening happening there that's covenantal. Peter, P- Peter picks up on that language. Um, God has established his covenant with them, but this is not the blood in the new covenant. This is not the blood of, of an animal, but it's the blood of Christ, which is infinitely more precious. Christ's blood is able to sanctify once and for all those who are being cleansed. Let me have someone read Hebrews 9, verse 13 through 14. Again, we're thinking about um, the sprinkling of Christ's blood and regeneration. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 13 to 14. Go for it.
1: For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of the foul persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctified by the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without revenue to God, to purify our conscience with dead works to serve the living God?
0: Thank you. <clears throat> now Some interpret this as saying that um, you must be, sorry, I lost my place, let me go back up. Uh, To be washed with the blood of the spirit of Christ is to be sanctified and renewed through the new covenant, which is made effective again by Christ's shed blood, able to purify or cleanse the conscience, that language of cleansing used again, able to cleanse the conscience, Um, In John 3, 5, Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, the water and the spirit. Speaking of regeneration, being born again. Now, some interpret this as saying um, that you must be physically born and then you must be reborn through the spirit. But uh, that to me seems unnecessary to say I believe John is pointing back to passages like Ezekiel 36, which we read earlier. That use of water and spirit is referring, I believe, to spiritual rebirth. A couple more passages to, to look at here. Uh, Romans 6, 4. Let me have somebody Romans 6, 4 for us from the handout.
1: Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death just that just as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life
0: okay thank you baptism is an external sign which signifies our being cleansed from sin baptism represents our death with christ as well as our being spiritually raised from the dead by the power of god After the Apostle Paul goes through a list of types of unrighteous people who will not inherit the kingdom, he says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So there is this, again, this this relationship between um, baptism, which we'll, we'll talk about in the next couple of questions here, but in this section of an Orthodox catechism dealing with the sacraments and baptism, here, this language of washing, I'm referring to the blood of Christ, which baptism is a picture of. It's, it's a sign which signifies something else, being washed with the blood and spirit of Christ. And that washing with the blood and spirit of Christ is pointing to regeneration, cleansing from sin, uh, cleansing one's conscience, um, really being reborn, being made new. Okay, so we want to have a, a category for, for baptism um, as it points to death, being dying with Christ and being raised with him. Uh, the, the, the being plunged in a sense under the water and being brought up. It pictures something better than itself. Okay, okay let's, let's go to question 76. Question 76. Let me have someone read that, that question for us. Who wants to read 76? Go for it. Thank you. Where does Christ promise us that he will as certainly wash us with his blood and spirit as we are washed with the water of baptism? Okay, you can read the answer. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, thank you. So to ask question 76 uh, another way, where does Christ promise us that baptism by faith does actually signify our outward cleansing from sin? Now, I tried to borrow that language from the Baptist confession Um, and the rather the, the Baptist catechism. 96 in the Baptist catechism says this. How do baptism and the Lord's Supper become effectual means of salvation? Answer, baptism and the Lord's Supper become effectual means of salvation, not for any virtue in them or in him that doth administer them, the one who's actually doing the baptizing, but only by the cleansing or the blessing of Christ, citing 1 Peter 3.21 and Matthew 3.11 and 1 Corinthians 3.6 and 7 and the working of the spirit in those by faith that receive them in those that by faith receive them we can at times think that uh, baptism uh, is something mystical when you see language like um, baptism and salvation used sort of uh, closely related we can think that it's sometimes mystical that something magical is is happening. Uh, but baptism, even the, the the act of baptism, even that is something that's done by faith in God's promise of what He has done in us by the Holy Spirit. The confession and catechism both reference Matthew 28-19, which has some parallel to Mark 16, 15 to 16. But Matthew 28-19 says Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The gospel goes to the nations and converts people. Uh, They are recreated. They believe the gospel, which is shown by the fact that they are disciples. In baptism, the triune God is impressed upon the redeemed sinner. Christ, who has all authority in heaven and on earth by the Spirit, authorizes the apostles to preach and to baptize. They baptize as they go. The gospel demonstrates this, this act of, 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 in baptism there's a, there's a picture of one dying and being raised with Christ. The, the preached gospel demonstrates the authority of Christ over sin and Satan. And uh, those who are believing in him are bending the knee woefully and being raised from their spiritual deadness. Um, Baptism represents what the gospel has done. It demonstrates the authority of Christ over sin and death. Baptism represents the death of the old man, dying to sin's power and Satan's power, the resurrection of the new man as a redeemed child of God. Both the preaching of the gospel and baptism propagate the authority of Christ. Both say Christ is all-powerful. He has all authority. Um, he is. Um, I have died with him and have been raised with him, right? The gospel does it. Baptism um, demonstrates what the gospel does, okay? Uh, Titus 3.5. Let me have someone read Titus 3.5 for us. Titus 3.5. He saved us, not because of works done by us in
1: righteousness, but according to his
0: own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Okay, thank you. Now here in Titus 3.5, washing or regeneration and renewal are closely related. Um, This work, again, is attributed to the Holy Spirit. Washing of regeneration represents a spiritual cleansing that happens when a person comes to faith in Christ. Regeneration comes from two Latin words, meaning to produce or to bring forth from. Regeneration is to reproduce, as in bring forth again. We are born again by the Spirit. We are regenerated. Titus 3.5 connects washing of regeneration with renewal. Renewal is more like the complete transformation of a thing, Uh, baptism and belief are so closely tied together because one is the new life the other represents the new life baptism doesn't save because it has power because it rather has no power to affect change apart from the new life in christ in which it is a picture so we don't believe in baptismal regeneration have you heard that term before right who can define baptismal regeneration Yeah, that's a, a, a brief and, and clear way to, to describe that. Uh, we don't believe in baptismal regeneration because, again, baptism has no power in and of itself to, to save. And the uh, catechism lays this out again. It, it's not the power of the act. There's no power in the act itself. And there's no power in the one administering the act. They, they don't have the power to make bap- baptism effectual, but it's by faith, right? So um, being baptized by Ron versus Kyle or Des versus another, or, you know, your favorite theologian, right? You have some that might travel long distances to be baptized by a specific person. Um, but there is in that a misunderstanding of what baptism is and what makes baptism effectual. It is by the Spirit in faith. Um, Titus 3 connects washing of regeneration again with renewal. Um, let's look at Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. So I'm going to read Acts twenty two sixteen. 16. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Okay. Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Now we can read this language in Acts twenty two sixteen. 16 is, okay, well, what's he saying there? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Um, but notice what, what he says here, wash away your sins, calling on his name. All right. so something is happening here and regeneration that baptism is, again, pointing to. Baptism, which is a sign of washing away your sins, is acquainted with calling on his name. Christ only is the cause and author of eternal salvation. Yet he has given baptism as a sacrament or an ordinance which serves the conscience of the regenerate person. It is an antitype, a lesser picture of a greater reality. It is a sign that signifies something greater than itself. It is a sign of God's grace to us in the Lord Jesus Christ through the covenant of grace. When you are battling with sin and sanctification and are discouraged and downcast and depressed because of your sin, Um, do you ever think about your baptism? Does your baptism ever come to mind? Um, Do you remember that you have been cleansed by the blood of Christ by remembering the, the, the waters of baptism that wash over you, so to speak? Right. We can draw encouragement as we think about the Lord's Supper each week and take it each week. And it's a reminder, the sort of uh, renewal of what Christ has done for us. We, we, we remember again. We ought to think about our baptism as well. Uh, the Lord has given it to us as this picture of what he has actually done in the life and the heart of the Christian. Um, let's jump to question 77. Question 77. Um, any uh, comments or thoughts, questions so far? About halfway through our study here. Any comments? So, mode matters? Mode matters. <laughs> he said mode matters. Yes, mode does matter. <laughs> yeah, so, if, I mean, I think Chris did an excellent job um, showing us why mode matters. <laughs> yeah. So uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll talk about we'll talk about that more. So I want to. We'll, we'll talk more about that. That sprinkling versus the uh, yeah yeah descending ascending. Um, any other? So uh, it was. I, I, made a, I asked a question last week about the Adam and stuff. But on Hebrews uh, nine thirteen to fourteen. Uh, where it said the sprinkling of the wild pers- persons with the ashes of a heifer. Hmm. Uh, so I was thinking about Numbers 19 with the statue of the red heifer. Right. And it says um, now uh,
1: that those ashes would be deposited outside the camp, hmm. which I thought was very interesting. And it says now uh, let's see uh, in verse
0: 9 of chapter 19 now a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer, the heifer deposit them outside the camp in a clean place, and the congregation uh, the sons of Israel shall keep it as water mm. to remove uh, impurity. It is purification from sin. Yeah. So I think that was interesting. Said it said as water. Mm. Yeah. That is interesting. As a comment. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be something in that. Something there. Yeah. 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 I want to look at that a little more, but yeah, that, that is interesting. <laughs> Brett? Um, so in Acts 18, where Priscilla and Aquila... Um, talk to Apollos, it says that he was only acquainted with the baptism of John, um, can you speak to that re- with regards to what we're talking about today, like is that, were, were, they, were they giving him some, like, deeper instruction regarding baptism, because it seems to be pointing out that his, he was acquainted with the scriptures, but the, it says he was only, Acquainted with the baptism of John, so it seems like the mm. the correction there was re- with regards to baptism. Mm. Um, sorry, let me find the verse. Eighteen uh, twenty-five. John, that's a good question. Um, Sprinkling? Uh, Well, no, (laughs) no, but um, so in uh, Sinclair Ferguson's book, uh, where it's on the Holy Spirit, I think it's entitled "The Holy Spirit." He deals with this text, and I think it was it was really helpful, Um, and it helped me to think about it in a in a different way. but can we talk after the class yeah. about it? Yeah, Because it can be a longer conversation. Yes. I, I, I'll give it a try. Okay, go for it. Uh, I think he was talking about, the, the, I said this last week, there's a the difference between the baptism of John versus baptism in, in Christ's blood and the Holy Spirit. And uh, we know that uh, from the account of... Uh, John's baptism it was a baptism of repentance right. mm. versus like uh, and uh, I think the the drive uh, the Jew uh, the, the the Jewish uh, people that came to John was the, 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 only that the repentance of turning away from from their ways the Pharisees remember and uh, in contrast the baptism of Christ it carries with it the promise of the gospel. Mm. That's cool. yeah, yeah. so like that's baptism good. of faith and repentance probably mm. more accurately yeah mm. so but now was not even you yeah that's good Chris yeah just uh,
1: to follow up on that point uh, right after that passage about Apollos is the passage where they find the people who only knew about John's baptism and uh, in chapter 19 verses
0: 7 and um and they explained to them um, about Christ. So I wonder if perhaps in that area mm. it might have been just a, just a lack of real solid knowledge about Christ and what baptism in Christ. Meant. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, a good so thought as too. They encounter Pauls and they encounter these others. That's a good thought too.
1: Just, um, I'm not certain about that, but that, that yeah. might be something similar there.
0: Yeah, good thought too. Let's uh oh, oh go ahead. Sorry, I, just a up, I was thinking like. Uh, I'm gonna get what I we? we agree that uh, true baptism is effectual by faith. It's a close association. So, is is it a thing that we, as as leaders or as church, that we validate the baptism? Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? Mm-hmm. You know, like when we compare with the Catholic baptism, if they come over or. So what's the question? Do we evaluate the motherhood uh, of baptism in Yes. The short answer is is yes. Right. Um, <laughs> with different situations. So we want to make sure that someone was upset, that they were believers when they were baptized. Essentially, it gets down to trying to determine that. Um, did they, were they baptized before or after they uh, were regenerated? Um, and so, being in our, you know, being a Reformed Baptist Church, um, we have had some in the past and in different times come who were uh, maybe raised in a Catholic home or Roman Catholic and were baptized um, or even raised in a Presbyterian home and were, were baptized and come to faith. And now they're wrestling with, well, was this real or was this fake or how should I view this? We've had those conversations um, a lot. I've, I've had a few myself and we've, uh, we would say if you were not a believer, then that baptism was a non-baptism, right? So you, you, baptism uh, comes after repentance, faith, believing in the gospel, not before. We don't believe that you can be baptized before and it's made effectual when you believe. We believe that you need to believe and then be baptized. That's the testimony of scripture. Um, so we've had to navigate those those conversations. We've we've asked you know people. We would say, well, uh, you they say well, they will, well, you need to be baptized. They would say, <laughs> well, I've been baptized. Well, you need to be baptized. He like when he was <laughs> baptized, he was truly a believer, but he was sprinkled. What's that? Let's say when, when, when somebody comes, yeah, he was he truly believed he was a believer when he was baptized, mm-hmm. but uh, he was baptized by. Franklin. Yeah. because there was dra- a drought. Yeah, something. so I was, <laughs> 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 this is hypothetical, this is like way off the, t- the topic. <laughs> this is why I reduce questions. <laughs> no, but, so, um, let's, we'll, we'll talk after more, and Sorry, you guys can feel for free to comment on that. Um, but, yeah, so, Arnie, if, if someone is, Sprinkled after they were after they believed, and a circumstance. Let's say (laughs) they couldn't find any any water, or it's it's a drought. You know, that'd be sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we've had those type of conversations as well. It's been very interesting. Um, But to answer, do we see that as a real baptism or is not a real baptism? Talk to me after. Okay. <laughs> question 77. Did I have someone read the question and answer to that already? No? Okay. Let me have someone read the question and answer to question 77. Is then the baptism in water the washing away of the answer is not. The blood of Christ alone cleanses us from all sin. Okay. So Ephesians 5 26 through 25 is cited. Um, As a reference here, Ephesians 5, 25 to 26 says, Husbands, love your wife, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Um, And then uh, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water with the word. So, again, this language of sanctify and cleanse, which is what we see in uh, Ezekiel, uh, Zechariah, this same language of, of Of the cleansing with water by the washing of water with the word Um, I think there's more happening there than just a picture that husbands should read the Bible with their wives there's I think there's something uh, deeper going on here Um, the Lord Jesus Christ and covenantal relationship with his bride is pictured as the one who is sanctifying and cleansing her he dies for her Uh, he washed her from her sin he cleansed her from, or by, rather, his own blood. Because he was ceremonial clean himself, ceremonially clean, he is able to make her ceremonially clean. Um, her destiny is full of the enjoyment of all that Christ has died to give her, which is eternal life, glorification, um, an unchangeable state of holiness and happiness with her husband, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the substance of her regeneration. So the citing of Ephesians 5 here in the catechism is then the outward baptism uh, in water a washing away of sins. Is the baptism itself the thing that washes away sin? The answer is no. Why? Because Christ is the one who does that. Essentially is how the catechism is, is answering. Now, let's read 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 through, through 21. Um, and this may or may not you know, evoke some questions, but let's, let's read 1 Peter 3, 20 to 21. Who wants to read that for us? Go for it. Thank you. So Noah and his family were saved through the flood waters and Ark. The Ark was a type of Christ. Noah and his family got into the Ark and they were delivered from the righteous wrath of God's judgment. And this uh, being the flood waters. This was a temporary salvation from a temporary judgment. The water would eventually recede. Christ is the ark of God's salvation from the flood of his eternal judgment. The salvation of God in Christ is permanent and it's eternal. It must be because God is eternal and the wrath of God is eternally set upon all those who perish in unbelief. Now, 1 Peter 3 says, Noah and his family were saved through water and in the same way, baptism now saves. Now, salvation... Of baptism is not the removal of the filth of the flesh. Peter answers the question before we ask it. Um, But it is the answer of a good conscience towards God. And and Peter says this is through the resurrection of Christ. Romans 4.25 says that Christ was raised for our justification. Peter's not saying that baptism justifies us. There are different, again, interpretations of this passage, but the data we have in Scripture leads us to the same interpretation of Jesus and the apostles. The language of salvation in relation to baptism simply shows the close relation between the two, not one being the other, but one signifying the other. Um, those who believe, Mark sixteen sixteen, being disciples, Matthew twenty eight nineteen, having been regenerated, Titus three five and confess and profess Christ, Romans 9. These things are the foundation of a good conscience towards God. Possessing Christ with a view to his glory, baptism saves. right, so this language is used in 1 Peter and Peter himself says, this is not a removal of filth from the flesh when he says baptism now saves, but he is showing this close relation between um, baptism and uh, regeneration and saying that it now saves now to walk away from first peter 3 um, assuming that baptism in and of itself cleanses uh, the soul from sin uh, is to not read the rest of scripture or to disregard other parts of of scripture Um, i don't you know we're not a a congregation that teaches baptismal regeneration you know maybe you know some of you have had those those thoughts in the past or even know friends who, who do Uh, But scripture does not teach uh, that baptism itself saves. And no, and Peter is not teaching that here. But again, he's showing the close relation between the two. Um, John Gill said, Christ gave a commission for and his disciples administered baptism. It saves not as a cause, for it has no causal influence on, nor is it essential to salvation. Christ only is the cause and author of eternal salvation. And as those only that were in the ark were saved by water, so those only that are in Christ and that are baptized into Christ and into his death are saved by baptism. Not everyone is baptized, but he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved." That was sort of how he um, worked through First Peter 3 there with the help of Mark sixteen sixteen. 16. Um, Again, the baptism, the the Baptist catechism says in question 98, to whom is baptism administered? Answer, baptism is administered to those who effectually or actually profess repentance towards God. Acts 2.38 and uh, Matthew 3.6, faith in and obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ and to none other. Right. Those who actually profess repentance towards God, only those should be baptized. Uh, the faith isn't in baptism. Our faith is in Christ. We participate in the sign of baptism by faith. To be clear, baptism cannot save. It is, however, the answer of a good conscience towards God. Um, All right, let's read uh, question 78, the question and answer. Who wants to read that for us? Crystal?
1: Question 78, why then does the Holy Spirit call baptism, the washing of the new birth and forgiveness of sins? Answer, God speaks not without great cause to this, not only to teach us that as the filth of our body is purged by water, so, our sins also are purged by the blood and spirit of Christ, but much more to assure us by this divine token and pledge that we are as surely washed from our sins with the inward washing as we are washed by the outward invisible water.
0: Thank you. So, question 78 answers question 77 in more detail. The Catechism assumes that baptism does not wash away sins, but this question recognizes the strong relation between, again, baptism and regeneration. <coughs> The language of new birth and the forgiveness of sins in relation to baptism shows the close relation of the two. Again, not one being the other, but one signifying the other. Baptism is a token and pledge that we are truly washed from our sins. How often do we call to aid the remembrance of our baptism when we are overwhelmed by the grief of our guilt and shame? The ordinance of baptism is given to you as a sign And as a pledge, God considers you having died with Christ to the the Christian. You don't belong to yourself anymore. I don't belong to myself anymore. The pledge and promise of God is not merely inspirational, but it's covenantal. The pledge and promise of God is His giving to us what He's promised to give to us. He keeps His word, He's fulfilling His own promise. in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, it says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the same Lord Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. This is the promise of God. Uh, Hebrews 13, 20 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cries out for vengeance. The blood of Christ cries out for our forgiveness. And our forgiveness is eternally secure. Right, These things, these promises we have from God in the scriptures. Uh, Hebrews 9, 12 to 14. Let me have someone read that for us. Hebrews 9, 12 to 14. Not with the blood of those in Christ, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained pain. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Thank you. <clears throat> He's able to cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Um, only Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, is able to do this. Only his precious blood sprinkled um, is able to do this. In baptism, we profess publicly that we belong to Christ. But more importantly christ says to us you belong to me we can call to mind his promises of redemption and forgiveness of sins as we recall our baptism We remember that we have been cleansed from our former sins we have been washed by regeneration and renewed by the holy spirit we are dead to our old life we are new in christ our baptism reminds us of the mercies of god our baptism gives us confidence again that nothing can separate us from the love of God. In baptism, we have the assurance that we can come before the throne of God and not be cast out. We should only be baptized in Christ once. And we can only be baptized in Christ once, should put it that way. But we should remember our baptism regularly. It should happen once, it does happen once, but we should remember it regularly. We, shouldn't, we should think about it often, and we should think about what it means and what it meant. Uh, Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. I'll, I'll close here and then give a couple minutes for questions. Um, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an unclean conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This is a promise that we can recall and remember in our baptism. And this is something that we, our our hearts, our minds should be Sort of elevated to think about when we are baptized it's not merely us saying to the world i'm a christian I'm, I'm different i want to profess to the world that that i am a believer it is that but more than that the thing that makes that what it is is that christ has marked us out in the world as his own he's putting his stamp upon us to say you are mine um, father son holy spirit it's the trinitarian work of god and our salvation, and it's in faith that we are baptized with that with with, with, with a view to that and the glory of that.